Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're going to the camps, the Utes and the Cougars. Let's start with the University of Utah. Yep, welcome in on a Thursday morning. We're getting started. We're getting started fast. Kyle Whittingham. Meeting with the media. Everybody wants to know about all the rumors about Zach Moss on social media. Are they true? Are they not true? Here's Kyle Whittingham. Well, Kyle, uh, the rumors out there about Zach Moss, can you say anything about No, we never talk about injuries. You'll know when somebody is lost for the season. Uh, we report that, but otherwise, until the NC2A makes it mandatory that you do an injury report, we'll never address injuries during can, the season. Can I ask if he practiced? No, we just we don't mention who practices, who doesn't practice, none of that okay. stuff. Yeah. Oh, you can ask. I, I asked. Yeah, I, I got ask. shut down. You can ask whatever you want. You yeah. slammed me hard on that one. <laughs> How about this? How'd the running backs look today? Look good. Look good. The young guys continue to impress. Uh, Jordan Wilmore uh, continues to get better and and feel more comfortable in the offense, and and uh, he's trimming down his weight. He got a little pudgy there at the beginning of summer or in the middle of summer, but he's now down to uh, playing weight and, and he's looking good. Makai Bernard, the same thing. He's doing a good job. And then, of course, we have uh, DHC and Brumfield who are getting good reps as well. Is Green in the mix? TJ is in the mix. Yes, he's in the mix. Yep. Coach, what are you seeing out of your corners or safeties, or what do you want to see out of them that you aren't seeing out of them? Uh, we're seeing a lot of good things. They're making plays on the ball. They're in the right places. Uh, very few blown coverages. It's, and they're talking about the ones now. The two still have some growing up to do. But but the ones are doing a nice job, and they're uh, they're in position almost all the time and, and making plays on the ball. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. So Julian Blackman more specifically, you know, switching positions. How has he been settling into that, and uh, was it the right move for you guys? He's done an outstanding job uh, settling into the safety spot. Looks like a natural. Looks like he's played that his whole life. Uh, he's got all the, the uh, skill sets you need for the position. Uh, great instincts. Great speed, ball uh, you know, ball skills are very good. So he's, we think that's a, a you know, a win-win for for making the corners better and the safeties better at the same time. And he's about 200 pounds now, which is about 15 pounds ahead of where he was last year, which you need. So your safety's a tackling position. Here. Right. Thank you. You have a plan for Bam to start practicing? Yeah, we're hoping. First of all, he should be in town today, barring anything that's uh, unforeseen. Probably take us 24 hours to get all the red tape and everything situated. We're hoping for Friday practice. That would be ideal if you can practice Friday. And is there any clarity on whether he has a red shirt year available? Not yet. No, we just know that he did his part academically, got everything taken care of, worked his tail off, did a great job in that respect. But the uh, eligibility issue is in the hands of the NC2A, and it's got nothing to do with his academics. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, just as far as sorting it out. When he gets on campus, is he going to be able to practice right away? Or Well, yeah, we hope Friday. You know, there's things you have to go through compliance-wise, physical, uh, some, some hopes you get, hoops you got to jump through. But if we can get him on the field Friday, that would be best-case scenario. Worst case would probably be Saturday. How's the kicking situation shaping up? Kicking situation is kind of at a standstill right now. Nobody is taking charge. Um, it's kind of a dead heat, which is not what you want to see. Uh, you know, a guy will have a good day, and the next day not so good. And, and so right now, uh, you know, they're, they're talented, talented kickers, but, but nobody has really stepped up and, and uh, taking charge so that you know we're only what seven practices in so we still got time but but uh, sooner the better so we can get the guy whoever it is 
you know, more reps and working with the snapper and the holder. Right now, three guys, it's a lot of guys to get ready. So at bare minimum, we got to get it down to two within, you know, just a few days. Are Bernard and Lloyd adjusting to their increased role? Very well. I mean, those guys are, you know, Francis Bernard is a is an absolute warrior. He's, uh, you know, played a lot of snaps for us last year, as did Devin. Devin played a lot of snaps, and so they're they're ready to go. They'll be, you know, they're students of the game. They they are football fanatics, uh, and they will be ready to go. You know, I don't think there's any doubt about that. With the new targeting rule having gone through, are you, are you pretty hopeful or confident that they'll hold that to a higher standard in the review? Yes, and I think it's I think it's in a better place now than it's ever been. Although we haven't actually experienced the new process, but the way they explain it and the way that uh, it's going to uh, be looked at during the course of the game and the decisions that will be made, I think it's going to be a much better situation. There is Kyle Whittingham, and of course, the truth on Zach Moss. Well, it can't really be kept under wraps, can it? I mean, if you're walking around campus, everybody's got a phone. You're famous. What can you possibly keep quiet? Some injuries I think Kyle can keep quiet. But when is that visible and the players that visible? Yeah, it seems impossible. It seems absolutely impossible. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, we're going to Cougars camp. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. BYU camp, we're going to hear from the coordinators. How's the BYU defense doing? The opener is three weeks from tonight. BYU and Utah. Here's Elisa Tuiaki. You're about a week into fall camp. How do you feel your defense, I guess, as a whole right now is progressing? It's uh, It's been good. It's been good. It's uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, a couple of key spots to fill, you know, as far as just finding the right guys that can rotate in there. Um, you know, especially, you know, replacing Corbin and replacing Sean Taktaki and um, getting some key players back that will continue to train the young guys. But I thought that the, the progress has been good. Some kids are progressing a lot farther ahead and faster than some of the other ones that I thought would probably be farther ahead. And so it's just normal camp. Linebacking core was, I guess, decimated the easy word. A lot of graduations last year. How do you feel those guys are coming along? You know, as a group, as far as its depth, it's probably going to be one of the better linebacker groups that we've had, um, you know, depth-wise. But they're just all young, you know, and I know we talked about that for a while. But excited to get Zane back, excited to get Isaiah Kofusi back. But some of those young guys, um, you know, Max Tooley, Peyton Wilgar, uh, Jackson Kafusi, Chaz Ayu, Keenan Peely. I mean, we're, we're really, really, feel really, really good about the backer core. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, their game experience and, and getting them a little bit more, you know, under their belt, I think is going to be the deal. How can you, I guess, help them build that experience in fall camp when you guys aren't necessarily going live all the time? You know, um, the, the scrimmage is going to be huge for yeah. them, you know, getting them into it, but then just giving them as many as many um, reps, realistic, you know, realistic looks as possible, which you know, a lot of times has to just do with the way that you're practicing, the way you're changing things up, the way that you may be uh, uh, making it harder for them and, uh, you know, as much game situation as possible. But the truth is you, you, don't, you, you can't and you never know. And it's just sometimes some kids will get to the game and they, 
and they just they just show that they're not as prepared. And some kids get to the game, they're just like, okay, this, you know, really pleased about this kid coming through. But uh, it's really difficult to know, and I don't think we will until we get to the games. In terms of your cornerbacks, heard Dimitri Gal has been slowed in terms of getting him himself able to get on the field, etc. How do you feel the guys that are actually out there have been doing so far? That's that's one of the groups that I feel I've been I've been pretty pleased with. Uh, you know, uh, George Udo, um, you know, uh, Javel, you know, Javel Brown, and just some of those young kids that are coming in and uh, you're expecting and hoping that they can step up and be guys. There's there's a lot of potential there with the young with the young corner group, and I know there's guys I'm missing, but that's one of the. That's been one of the really concerns for me probably in the offseason, just how deep we go at the corner spot. But those guys stepping up, I've been really, felt really good about. Do you like the depth? Oh, sorry, Jay. Do you feel like Chris Wilcox is uh, going to be back or, or is that? Uh, we hope. Yeah, we hope. You know, I don't I, I don't know yet. I'm not going to rule him out. I'm uh-huh. not, we're, 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 we're practicing and just basically playing as if, uh, as if he's going to be out. And if he comes back, it's a bonus for us. But uh, don't know yet. Yeah, he's, I mean he's he's going, but we just don't want to we just don't want to rush him too fast. You know. Is the depth at safety help you feel a little more comfortable with that question mark about the cornerbacks a little bit? Just that when you have those guys on the back end. Uh, I don't I don't know necessarily. You know, for me, I don't necessarily feel that the depth in one spot helps out in the other because for us, it's. Um, you know, guys that are playing safety are there for a specific reason, and guys that are staying at corner are there for a specific reason. And so um, we, we kind of like our depth at safety right now. There's been some some good names, but but uh, no, in answer to your question, not, not really. <laughs> Have you ever had a scheme for an Andy Ludwig offense before? You know, or, or have you ever been on the same staff as him? I was a GA when he in 2008 okay. there. I was on the defensive side, but um, you know, X's and O's as far as just the type of people. I mean, you know, we fa- we faced a lot of teams that are uh, what we consider to be the same style of play, and uh, you know, maybe a, a couple of wrinkles here and there. But as far as just X's and O's and the style of play that that they have, it's not necessarily anything that we haven't seen, but. You know, obviously, we just haven't played against him. Austin Kofensis is kind of an interesting story. You probably recruited him back when he was at Jordan High, I would imagine. And just how would you sum up his journey? And now that he's in the safeties group here for me, you know, it's it's been fun to be around. I think he's a great kid. Um, you know, in in fall camp, there's a there's a, a lot of team building activities, a lot of different things that we do as far as getting to know our teammates better and getting to know him better and some of the things that he shared with the team has uh, has been been really cool to hear. I mean, the story that he, that he came from, which you guys all know, is where he one of probably one of the most, if not the most, decorated quarterback to come out of a high school football in the state of Utah. Um, to, to be at Wisconsin, to go through basically three coaching changes before he ended up at, at uh, Arizona Western, and then walk on here. You know, um, he told us a story about he, he and his dad. Uh, leaving after their last game at Arizona Western and basically dri- driving, you know, just almost 20 hours straight, he and his dad switching off, stopping at every place, trying to figure out where's where's home going to be, you know. Like, he wanted to continue to play, and, and it, it, you know, it was really humbling. It's just cool to hear a kid that was one of the most decorated athletes in the state of Utah driving around looking for a, a spot to walk on, you know, and so... Um, it's just, it tells a lot about his character, but he's, it's been fun to be around him, to get to know him. He's a great, he's a great team player. Do you like having this rivalry game to kick off the season? I do, yeah. I mean, we'll play them 
play them at the end of the season, at the bowl game, whenever. I, I think it's it's always great for the state of Utah to have these rivalry games, but also you know just just for us to um, always kind of have that game. It's it, uh, it's it's a game that means more than some of the other ones. It's not like not that the other ones are not important, but it's just it's always nice to to uh, play a rivalry game. Do you, is it, do you feel like your players have like maybe an extra added layer of focus because they know it's that game kicking off the season? Uh, yeah, I, I do. You know, I think uh, especially with the, the amount of uh, players that we have from the state of Utah, a lot of them that grew up kind of on one side or the other and then now here. You know, we have, we've got players that uh, have families that grew up big Utah fans and, and now they're they're here and so it's kind of flipped for them. And I think it, the, the stories for each of those families is, is really cool to have and and uh, that, that rivalry does mean a lot. There's BYU defensive coordinator Lisa Tuiaki. Here's the offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Coach, when you get ready for the scrimmage, how are you going to work the rest of the practice time to prepare for that as far as going hard, maybe not going hard, recovery on the legs? Yeah, What's the yeah. we went uh, really hard the last two days. Um, today will be a little bit shorter. Tomorrow will be a pretty good grind. Friday will be a little bit shorter. And then we'll, we'll go hard on Saturday. How many plays have um, I don't know yet. As many as Kalani will allow me. you have specific goals for the scrimmage that you want to accomplish? Um, well, first is to just have success, feel like we walked off the field and, and gain a little bit more confidence. Um, second is to evaluate some players, certainly some of the young guys um, that are challenging for playing time. I would say that would be that would be next. And then, uh, and then lastly, I would say just to feel like we walk away with it with a little bit clearer picture of our identity. And I think we're getting close, um, but I think a live, a live uh, practice will be a good um, opportunity for that. Will Take hold, that next step. Will you hold out anybody to kind of protect them? They don't have to prove anything? Um, I'm usually not in favor of that unless Kalani makes me, which sometimes might be the case. Um, but we got a couple of guys that are banged up, so part of it will depend on, depend on what we get from the training room, but there will certainly be some guys that get more reps than others. You look at different scrimmages, it's just different opportunities to get young guys versus vets time, or is it all, all the same to you? Um, I see value in both, in, in uh, evaluating our younger guys and our older guys because – you know, every year you're doing some different things and guys are in different positions. Some guys last year who may have been in a little bit more of a support role were asking to be primetime players and be dominant players now. So I don't I don't see it as being um, any more important for one player than another, although we as coaches may need to see more from certain guys. Are you looking to sort out the running backs or have you kind of settled on running back guy committee and any sorting no. kind of happening games? No, we haven't we haven't settled on anything yet. So uh, I think that'll be that'll be something that we'll continue to to work on between now and the first game and then even beyond that uh, with the numbers that we have there and the talent that we have there I think that would be uh, something that that could be ongoing. Have the receivers pretty much sorted themselves out or is it kind of the same situation there? Um, we've got one or two guys who are who are fighting to be in the mix who weren't in spring ball. So I would say that that position is much closer than the others with one or two guys on the fringe. Can you tell me a little about the progress of Harris, the chance? Yeah, Harris, Harris is doing well. He's a young guy, uh, very eager to learn, extremely talented, um, but still quite green and um, has some really good moments and some other moments where you go, wow, this guy's got a long way to go before before he's ready to suit up and, and play a full game for us. So um, I would say some real positives and some extreme highlights, but also a lot of work yet to do. 
How would you evaluate the tight end position at this point? One more time. The tight end position. How would you evaluate that at this point in the camp? Um, we've had we've had um, a number of guys play there. That's a position where we have some young guys who are who are in the mix. Um, Couple guys a little bit banged up coming back from injury who are practicing, but we're not asking quite as much from. So, again, I think that will be a strength for us as it was towards the end of last year. Um, how many tight ends we play versus how many receivers we play versus how many backs we play will kind of depend on who proves to be that next best guy. You know, we can play in 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 10 personnel, 21 personnel. We can play in any of those groupings. So whoever we feel we feel like gives us the best chance to win and score points will we'll get more of the reps. Um, but so far pleased with what the tight ends are doing. Will you have Zach under center at all this fall, or is it pretty much shotgun only for him? Um, we still have that as part of our offense. How much we use it is... Uh, is yet to be determined. Is it any different having the rivalry game as the first game or the fact the schedule's usually front-loaded? Is there always a pretty good sense of urgency this time of year? And it doesn't matter that the rivalry is the opener. Um, I think it certainly matters <laughs> that the rivalry is the opener because that game is more important than others. Um, I think anytime you open with a big game, that's a positive in that it, it gives players focus and motivation throughout the summer and fall camp. The magnitude of this game only heightens that. So, yeah. Big. Have you been able to see chunk yardage plays? That I know that was kind of a goal and a focus for you and your offensive staff. Yeah, so we've really we've really tried to emphasize a couple of things that areas that were our, our weakest points last year. One of those was explosive plays. Um, we've charted it every day. Um, we've had as many as... Um, 19, I think, was the most we had in any one practice. Um, and then uh, the fewest we've had was seven. Um, it's been somewhere between average probably about um, 11 or 12 per day, which is out of, out of a total of 60 or 70 snaps. Certainly the ratio is better than it has been at any time since I've been here. Then the other thing we've really been focusing on hard is third downs. Our third down percentage was not very good last year. And third downs um, correlate directly to winning and losing. They allow you to continue moving with the ball and, and obviously put yourself in position to score points. In the games last year that we had 41% or better on third downs, we were 6-0. and The games we were 40% or less, we were 1-6. and And so it's a pretty telling stat. Um, so last year we were about 37%, I think 36.8 or something like that on third downs overall. Um, thus far in camp, we're just over 50% on, on all third downs. So that includes third and short as, th as well as third and long. But I'm pleased with our progress and explosive plays and third downs. But again, um, still a lot of work to do. And the most telling stat will be how that shows up in a live day when, when they can actually tackle us. There are the coordinators, Jeff Grimes. Before that, Elisa Tuiaki. Now here's the head coach, Kalani Sataki. What's the plan for the rest of the week here, Kalani? Um, we're going to practice uh, later this afternoon, a little later, but then um, get uh, you know get ready for our scrimmage on Saturday, and that's going to be the key Saturday morning, scrimmaging around 10 o'clock. In camp, you guys always seem to have a really front-loaded schedule, and there's big games, so there's always maybe more intensity than there is for other schools. But this year, does it feel even a little more intense because it's a rivalry game up front or no? It does. I mean, I, 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 being honest, I think it gave us a little bit more of a um, – and the fact that we played them so 
recently, you know, end of the year. So I, I think it's um, kind of really fresh in our guys' minds, and it's it probably got them a little bit more because we've never done this before. So it's a, a different feel, but I actually like it. I think it, it's it's um, our guys are a little bit more serious, and so I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate the, the schedule getting our guys really ready for the season and the beginning of it. So that's been. I think that's been a huge uh, byproduct of it. That's really helpful for me. What's going to keep you awake and keep you stressed in the three weeks leading up to the opener? What can you clean up between now and then? Oh, a lot. I mean, that, I think that's kind of that's my job is to worry about all that, you know. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that we can fix in the next three weeks. But for the first week, I'm really excited about where we're at. I, just really focus on what we can do as a team and what we can do as a you know with our phases. Our we have a lot of position battles still going on and. And we still have a, a depth chart to figure out in the next little bit. And I think getting a lot, uh, getting in a live situation, having your guys um, get hit and tackle and block and do all that stuff that's game-like on Saturday would be huge for for the next step. Is there more talent and more depth here than there was when you got here two or three years ago? We'll find out. I mean, I, I, I'm really excited about the amount of young guys that we have on this program that have some experience. And... Um, and I really, I'm really thankful for the development that we've seen in a lot of those players. So, yeah, I'm really excited about the group. But uh, um, we'll see how they do with the life stuff. We have a lot of return missionaries that have to prove themselves on the field. And some guys that have developed a lot since spring ball. So this will be the first time we get some live reps and uh, we see, see some guys in a live situation that would be much like the game. We know how tough it is for you to single guys out for anything, but are there, is there anybody who wasn't on the team, part of your team last year, that already is in the mix that you think, yeah, he's going to play for us? Well, the running backs come to mind right away, and so just they—they, they, they, um, you know, we went and got them for a reason. I think I mentioned last time we spoke that they bring a different um, level of professionalism to the, the to that group. I mean, even the individual drills that they do, it's just they're focused. They're both college graduates. Um, talking about Asupa and and and, um, and Williams, and so. I think I think this is their last go, and they're they're excited about it. Um, they've already taken a, a a leadership role in the team, so it's been really nice to see them uh, be so mature and have it affect. Our, our, uh, we have a lot of young guys, you know, so I think it's good for them to see that that example, and they have something that you can draw comparisons from. So I think it'd be really good for our players. They're 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 guys that care about um, sharing information and getting giving feedback. And it's important that they give feedback to me, but really more important that they give feedback to their teammates. How, how well have they picked up the offense coming in from being in a couple other places for the last three, four years? Oh, they've done a great job. I mean, I think, I think um, first of all, A.J. Stewart's done an amazing job coaching them, and Coach Grimes has done a great job getting a scheme that will fit their, their talents. But I think these guys, they understand the game, and they love the game of football, and I think the learning process hasn't hasn't been anything in a negative for me. I've seen it as a positive, and they've been able to grasp the scheme really well. We're talking about going live on Saturday, how will you approach the quarterbacks with regards to that? Well, we're probably not going to. I mean, I've had them go live, of, you know, for the last two years more than anyone else has in practice in the spring ball, but we'll see. I think the younger guys will probably get the most of it, and if you ask those guys, they'd, they'd want to go live, but I think we have to be really smart, and I've, they will not be live. The quarterbacks won't be. You've mentioned before that Jaron Hall has a lot of athleticism. Mm -hmm. Is is there a possibility that he could function in like a Swiss Army knife type role where you you put him in in different packages, different places? The first function for him to be is a quarterback, you know, and that's that's the one thing that I care about the most. And then if there's other times for that, then great. He has the history and the background of 
being able to take other things on, like play quarterback and then also play baseball. So I think that he's just a multi-sport athlete. So I don't think it's going to be anything that's too hard for him, but let's get really good at one thing first, and then we can move on to the next. And that's, we have three weeks. What I've seen from the first week, I've been really pleased with from him, and it's carrying on what he did in the summer. He just he looks a little bit bigger and probably a little bit faster, and I think that's going to help him out in both baseball and football and in other positions too. But right now, uh, my main concern is him as a quarterback. You brought in some guys who maybe weren't ready to play right away, but you thought you could build them into something. You know, you're getting into your fourth year, so guys have had a chance to go on a mission or redshirt or both or whatever. Are you mm-hmm. seeing some of those guys that maybe some people think you reached on, but you thought you saw something? Is it starting to come to fruition? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of the guys are developing, and you you guys can probably see it more physically in the way they look, but um, I think a lot of people forget about mentally how, how much um, they're able to adapt to the to the environment, but also to what football is going for for them. To take two years off for the return missionary specifically, it's hard. I think those that have served missions will say that you probably don't get your legs back till a year later. And so some of those guys, I think that you kind of see the – I'll give you an example like Lopini. You know, he, he had uh, come home and he was doing some really good things, but even after a year later, he still had some issues. And sometimes they get hurt, but now he's been two years out. I think it's been he's a different person than he was even last year or the year before. So I think naturally guys will get in better shape, but I think the mental part of the game is um, them understanding the game and, and ju- you know and balancing their life, the social life and everything like that. We want them to have a social life and obviously want them to take care of academics, but to be able to balance that, it's really hard at BYU. And sometimes it takes some, some time to get, get uh, adapted to it. And um, I, think, I think a lot of the guys are going through that process. Some guys do well, others guys, other guys take, take some a little bit more, more time. There's BYU head coach Kalani Sataki. When we come back, Yogi Roth talking with PK and I. We're talking Pac-12 next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. PK and I spoke with Yogi Roth late in yesterday's show. Uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover with him. We're going to go ahead and replay that interview for you right now. So some of his whole yesterday, today, tomorrow's off by a day, but that doesn't really get to the essence of what he thinks of the Pac-12 race, whether the middle of the league is going to beat up the top of the league and wreck the playoff hopes again, whether he would let teams kick off at 9 or 10 a.m. local time. Here's Yogi Roth. Join the big show Friday, August 9th from 3 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. That's the Warehouse. Time to talk college football now with Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network's football analyst. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Yogi, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? We're doing well. We saw that you were in, uh, well, you're on the move now, so you're no longer in Utah, but... This week, you're hitting a lot of campuses, and you've already hit the Utes. And we saw some of the stuff you put up on uh, social media. You're really positive on them. You're really high on them. And I think Ute fans are wondering, okay, I think they're good. 
but I don't know if they're that good. And let's start with the passing game. Do you feel like they've got a a passing game that's good enough to be championship level for them? You know, 250 yards a game, 30 points a game. This defense would be in great shape if they had that to work with. Do you think the offense can provide that? We're going to find out, you know. And I think tomorrow uh, I did a podcast, I'm doing one in every place, where I talked to Britton Covey legitimately about that in the passing game. And, you know, can this team go as far as Tyler Huntley's arm can take them? And I, I think, you know, the one thing that we don't know, because we haven't seen it, at least as of late in the Pac-12, is what this offense is going to look like in this conference. Uh, but I will say after my short snippet of being there yesterday, I'm a, I'm a believer um, in this receiving core. You know, I think they, they're, they're much deeper and much more talented than I think we all generally, we, we all may think. You know, I know for me, I had a kind of question mark around that position group. And after watching him yesterday, um, I don't know if they have like a first rounder. Like they don't have, obviously, who I'm going to see right now. But I'm a fan of the, of the group. You know, they compete against every day. And then you watch the system. You know, this is, a, this is an execution-based system, in my opinion. You know, this is not, you know, spread them out, find some green grass, get a couple, you know, three or four first downs a game just based on tempo. I, I don't think that's what this offense is. We run, play action pass, et cetera. And I thought Tyler Huntley looked, he looked like a quarterback to me on every level for the first time in my eyes in terms of his stance from under center, you know kind of an awkward, staggered stance. Look at him now, and he looks like everybody who's been playing under center forever. So I just think there's a comfort level there probably for him that I would imagine. And I do think that this this team, with their ability to run the ball, I was really surprisingly impressed with their offensive line against the defensive line all day yesterday, being able to move the football. I think they would be just fine. You know, the biggest thing will be, can he be accurate? Um, you know, the two deep balls that he's got a chance at got to make them, you know, when that happens against UW in a huge game later on in the season, against USC at the Coliseum in late September. I mean, those are the things where you can't miss. And I don't think we'll know until we get to the games, but I do, I, I'm confident in the passing attack much more than spring or much more the last couple of years. And a lot of it's based on mechanics and how you know, that, that receiving core looked and, and the mechanics of the quarterback. Yeah, I can buy that, particularly as you're comparing to recent seasons. Uh, my thought is as you compare it to teams that would make the playoffs, because that's ultimately, or the playoff, the 14 playoff, that's ultimately, if you're going to put them on that level, that's what you're competing against, not necessarily themselves from the prior years. You also spoke on if they get some breaks, which you said every team needs. You did a little thing that you put out before you left campus where you said, you know, the teams that get in the playoff, they need breaks. What type of breaks would you specifically say that the Utes would need in order to achieve that pretty much dream come true well i think the laundry list is long but one would be health you know and, and they haven't gotten that break the last couple of years a quarterback i can remember the game against arizona a couple of years ago and they're rolling how they only gets her same deal last year and even though jason shelley you know the most accomplished backup quarterback in this conference he could argue one of the most accomplished in the country based on this performance um you know, they still struggled moving the ball. And I'd like to think that healthy Tyler Huntley, and maybe that's a different game in the Pac-12 title, you know? Does he account for seven points a game? You know, I don't know. 
you know, against UW defense, but I don't think it's crazy to think that he does. So I, I think that's the biggest one. But I think the ball offers to bounce their way a couple more times, you know, special teams, turnovers, you know, things like that that just kind of happen. You know, you look at Clemson last year and Chase Bryce having to come in against Syracuse and a running back just makes some plays and things happen, the penalty here or there. You know, those are the things I think every team gets bailed out on. And, and that's why I think this team has a chance to be a CFP team. You, know, you look back in history, and I think we think college football, and, and I know I do, and I think of Tua and his touchdown coming in in overtime. You know, I think of Trevor Lawrence. But, and then we forget about some of the other quarterbacks, like JT Barrett. You know, JT Barrett, it's not like he was uh, – and I love JT. I don't think he was in high school, but he and Tyler Huntley, I think they're good comps you know, in terms of not like the most ridiculous uh, uh, passers, you know, but a nice dual threat quarterback, but more of a passer than a runner. You know, I think there's where areas where you can say, yeah, they got an elite defense. And I've been on the sideline for CFP games. This looks like a CFP defense. They've got an offensive line that looks like a college football playoff offensive line, in my opinion. And they have one of the top running backs in the country. They've got enough capable receivers um, that I think can play at that level and win against, you know, elite DBs from other conferences. Um, so it'll be, you know, it'll be a small margin for error, but I don't think it's it's overhyped. You know, if you go back and if you do this, I save all the preseason SI covers, you know, for the last decade or so. And I think back to like UCLA on the cover with Brett Hundley, USC on the cover with Sam Darnold. You can kind of go down across this conference, Khalil Tate last year, and they were all sexy at the quarterback position, but they weren't, you know, in other areas that really lead to championship football. And Utah is, you know, and that, that's why I think they've got the ability and capability to represent the Pac-12 conference and be a legitimate, legitimate CFP team. You know, they got to prove it, but the focus I saw yesterday after talking to some of the players, you know, here we talked to Julian Blackman and Jalen Johnson together. Um, it was awesome, man. Like they, they, they're saying all the right things and the actions to me backed it up. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see how it plays on the field. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network analyst, joining us here. How much separation is there between Utah, Oregon, and Washington at the top of the conference? Because there wasn't much in the preseason media poll. These preseason power rankings and polls we're seeing, they're all ranked between 11 and 15, it looks like. Do you see any separation? Well, I would add, you know, three more teams. I'd add Stanford, I'd add Washington State, and I'd add SC. Because everybody's beating each other, kind of. You know, Washington State's beating Stanford and Oregon. I think Oregon since 2015 and Stanford since 2016 and something like that. You know, you look at obviously UW's dominance over some of those teams. Um, the Oregon beat UW last year. I think SC is like the sneaky team in this conference. And none of us would be surprised if Stanford won the Pac-12 North. So I think, you know, you look at those teams, they're really competitive. And a couple other teams can knock you off. Cal being one of them who's done it. Khalil when he's healthy. You know, they could be scary. Arizona State, I think they'll, I'm going to see them tomorrow, but, you know, they'll have the ability to play mistakes free football with a really talented defense. So I, I think the margin in this conference isn't that great in terms of the top teams that you reference. Um, but I do think that has dynamic defensive front. And I always go to, like, how many next level players do you have? And when I can remember going back back in the day when I was at SC now, but every starter found their way to an NFL training camp. And I look at the defense of Utah, and I think every starter 
we'll get to an NFL training camp. You know, at least that we project. You know, even, you know, whoever wins the cornerback spot, like Josh Nurse looks exactly like you dreaming up the corner. You know, I, I think everybody's going to get to your camp. Some will be first-round picks, like Bradley and I and Jalen Johnson. Some will maybe be second-round picks. Maybe Julian Blackman. I'm sure he could play his way into one or the other. Uh, they, they're real in that regard. You know, I think when you look at some of the other teams, every position – at least on one side of the ball. I don't know if it's like that or if you project that right now, but I'd say with real confidence, who wouldn't? You know, even Devin Lloyd, he looked exactly like they're supposed to look at that position. And Kyle and I talked about that yesterday around him kind of assuming that starting spot based on the early retirement from Manny Bowen. So I, I think that Utah, I'd give them the edge on the defensive side. I think offensively, for me, you know, SC's always going to have ridiculous power. You know, I think they get the best receiving core in the conference, at least the top four. I think Washington State is the best receiving core top to bottom in the conference in terms of having six, eight guys that are real. So you can kind of make an argument at a bunch of different position groups on the other, on the offensive side of the ball. But overall, you know, senior veterans, you know, played a lot of ball, played in big games, chip on the shoulder. And go back to Kyle, he's developed this program, you know, in, in a beautiful way that I think is a blueprint for success. You know, it wasn't, let's go get a bunch of quick fixes. Let's go try to get a bunch of four-star kids that and miss on them and we become Washington State in 2002, 2003. And that happened to them when they won the Holiday Bowl over Texas. They got into the finalists for a bunch of four-star kids. We didn't get any. And the program went to a dark place for a couple of years. So I just love the consistency, how they built it. You know, the backbone of this team is strong and I think they're, they're, they're positioned to, to do what you know, some of us have you know, projected them to do this year. So you've been both a player and a coach at a high level. Uh, how do you like playing a rival game right off the bat as opposed to maybe what Utah has done historically? Not always, but most of the time they have an easier game that first game. I think it's, it's really interesting. You know, we got our research department looking it up, but the only last time you played a, an opponent – the end of the year and then kicked it off again with them. You know, it hasn't happened very often. I can't imagine, at least, right, you know, in my mind in college football. You know, I love it. I think it's great uh, for the game. I think it's great for this program. You know, last year was so awkward with having clinched the South and having to play BYU in a game that nationally, it kind of didn't even matter because it's not like Utah was going to the college football playoff and if they won the Pac-12, they'd go to the Rose Bowl. It's kind of one of those weird games, um, and and it was a weird game to watch, you know. And I think, you know, I wonder what the players would say, but it just seemed funky. Even when you talk to people around the program about that week, um, just the timing of it. So, so I love this. I think for Utah historically, you know, I called a lot of the opening games, and you know, whether it's North Dakota, year, you know, and it was Weber State, like they're kind of close, you know. So I think it's great for you know training camp focus, and they're gonna have to come out of the gate. You know, and clearly it's going to be an emotional night and all the stuff that the rivalry is that you guys know better than I, but, you know, kind of grew up just watching this game every year. And I, I think it's good. I think it's great when, you know, big-time teams have big-time games to kick off the season, and this is one of them. So I, I love it. Uh, it. It definitely competes against, in a good way, guys getting complacent and reading how good they are. Yeah. And I think this team in this era – Coach Whittingham or Chris Peterson, David Shaw, they always say the same thing. Like, we can't get away from the hype. 
So we just got to talk about it and deal with it. And I think it helps to deal with it when you got a legit opponent week one that, you know, was handling you for, you know, the better portion of a game a year ago. You know, it wasn't a couple freak plays. Um, and then a great comeback, you know, BYU gets offset in that ball game. So I, I love this matchup for, for Utah in terms of the time. Would you advise West Coast teams to play football games at 9 a.m. or Mountain Time Zone teams to play football games at 10 a.m.? I think I would advise uh, teams, if they were going to do it, I'd want to do it if I was an early morning practice team. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the rhythms of our body is real. All the science and would support that. Um, so I think, you know, it's early to practice in the afternoon. Uh, but I wouldn't want to do something where you know, it was a competitive disadvantage. And, and I think that's the biggest thing with this deal is that, uh, you know, number one, it was a great discussion point which has created a ton of dialogue. And then two, no team's ever going to be forced to do it. So I think all the coaches will kind of look at all things considered and say, yeah, this is best for our program. They look at Utah, and I don't know their record at night, but I know it's crazy at home in terms of beneficial uh, day games and the kind of middle of the road. You know, I've called a couple of their upset losses over the last couple of years during the day. So I'd be curious kind of where the staff nets out. I think as a coach, you love early games. Because Saturday is kind of like your only day with your family when the game's over. So you get to shut it down, and coaches would want to play at 8 a.m. if they could. But I think when you look at all the things in college football, um, you know, regarding performance, I would go with, you know, what's best for the kids and what are they used to. And then the other thing I would add that doesn't get a lot uh, of play is the night before the game. And I think this year you're going to see it in college football. I know a team in the Pac-12 is going to do it and take away the phones from the kids after the final team meeting just because of all the blue light, just keeps them up, you know? And I think, you know, sleep has become a, a vogue topic and rightfully so in terms of its impact on performance. So I, I think there's something around that too, in terms of just making sure guys are rested. So whether they have to wake up at, you know, 5 a.m. or whatever the time would be based on the early kickoff, you know, they weren't, you know, scrolling through Instagram at 11:30 at night, but like legitimately shutting their bodies down and not putting things around their body or their brain that can keep them up and, clearly the, the one of the negatives of the cell phone. So you listed, when we were talking about potential contenders, you extended the list out to about five or six teams and all can make legitimate cases for winning their respective divisions. I wanted to ask you about those other five or six teams that are out there in the conference, and some of them, well, all the South teams, but a team like Cal in the North that is on Utah's schedule how good do you think these lesser ter- teams can be in terms of possibly pulling off an upset? Well, good because I think you know, I think players are human. You know, quarterbacks are human. You know, it's, quarterback you know, Taylor Huntley is not going to go all season long in every game and throw for seventy percent completion percentage. He's going to have a game that's you know he doesn't play well. It just happens at every level uh, at every stage of football. And, you know, you look at a game like Cal and, you know, granted, it's at home, which is huge for Utah in terms of going up against, you know, one of the better defenses in this conference. And then scheme-wise, you know, what Coach Wilcox does is he really tries to make everybody play left-handed. So he'll make Tyler Huntley have to win that ball game. He'll make that that receiving core, whether it's three guys or an eight-man rotation, he's going to make them have to win and win against an NFL secondary. I mean, we talk about – Utah and UW secondary all the time, rightfully so, but Cal is not that far behind. 
You know, they're not as elite, but Cameron Bynum, you know, Hawkins, Ashton Davis, you know, they're, they're real dudes. Elijah Hicks, like they're at, they're next level players as well. Uh, so that that's a circle game in terms of that. That's going to be hard uh, just for Utah based on where it's at. And you look at that stretch of games for them with UW coming up the following week, you know, even Oregon State, ASU, Cal, like those three should be locks for Utah. But they'll be they'll be challenging, you know, just because at Oregon State it always is, you know, especially if they steal possessions running the football, which is what Oregon State does at times. ASU, you know, Benjamin, uh, I was having a dialogue with somebody on the sideline yesterday, like, who would you take, Eno or Zach Moss? And that's a real discussion. You know, Eno is so shifty. He's so good on inside zone runs and finding little creases that he can, he's going to make it hard, you know, on those linebackers throughout throughout that ball game. So I think your point's really well said, and I hope it gets echoed, you know, around the country because, you know, all too often I think it's easy to say, well, big non-conference games, and that's all that matters in the Pac-12, and, and if you don't go undefeated, you're not going to get a four seed in the playoff. And I think that's a crock. You know, like, I think that's totally uh, inconsiderate to – the schedule of games and where the games lay out and you know, the reality of the middle of this conference. It's, I think, much more talented in the middle of the majority of conferences around the country. And I hope that the 13-member committee recognizes that because you look at every team goes through their window. You know, for Bama, it's when they play Tennessee or Ole Miss. And they get a lot of hype around those games um, because maybe is it an upset. You know, probably way more hype than a Cal versus Utah game could potentially get. But I look at those very similarly in terms of big-time opponents against teams that are really respected in the conference, maybe not as much around the country. So are you still in the honeymoon phase of the first year of the marriage? Oh, yeah, man. You know, look, <laughs> I walked into that thing with huge expectations and huge. Because I never knew, knew if I was ever going to make that, you know, that call on my call sheet. And it's exceeded it by 10x. So, you know, it's, it's way harder being away than I thought. I'm only in day three of this training camp tour, and, you know, I got 11 more stops, you know, including this morning. So I'm, I'm going to keep it moving, but uh, I think my schedule is going to allow the honeymoon phase to – I think it's going to extend, like, to the Rose Bowl because I'm going to be gone three or four days a week. Okay, yeah, I see Really what you're every week of the rest of the season. Yeah. So I think uh, my timing you – know, I'm pumped like uh, the Jeff Rudy and me, the director of ops. Yeah. You know, proud of the the day of the wedding, the date, and uh, I think I'll be able to get the most out of the honeymoon phase as humanly possible. No, you get a you get a honeymoon extension with the separation due to the work travel. I understand what you're saying. I hope so. I'll let you. If not, then uh, I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to figure that out. So but in other words, she, she won't she won't fun. get sick of you because you'll be gone. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Okay, that's right. right. That, that's that's the idea. I got it. I understand your optimism. You're an optimistic guy, Yogi. <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling you this, and this is a fact. You can mess things up while you're on the road. So you got to be on your game at all times. It's a different kind of game. Sometimes you're running the clock. Sometimes you're in the two-minute drill. you still got to be mm-hmm. on your game. I like that. That's Those what I'm going to call her right after this. Get there you go. That's what I'm talking. All right. Yeah. all right. Thanks, Yogi. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a great day. There's PK and I with Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.